Did you inherit $1 million from your grandparent, or are you about to become wealthy from someone else's hard work? If you say yes to these questions, this show is not for you. You, the hardworking, committed, and ambitious professional who have a 9-to-5 corporate job or a 12-hour shift worker keeping the assembly line running. Perhaps you run your gig as a freelancer, or maybe you run a small business. You are in the right place. Welcome to the Career Evangelist Podcast, where you get your weekly tips, ideas, strategies, and inspiration to find purpose in what you do so you can build a career you are passionate about and live a fulfilled life. Here is your host, Bola Alabi. Are you facing challenges in your life that are affecting your happiness and goals? Whether you are dealing with mental health issues like depression or anxiety or simply going through a tough time, therapy can provide valuable tools to help you navigate life. Today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is on a mission to make therapy more accessible and affordable. They understand that finding a therapist can be challenging, especially when limited to local options. BetterHelp offers an online platform that matches you with a professional therapist in just a few days after answering a few questions. Signing up and getting matched with a therapist is easy. You can find a link in the show notes at betterhelp.com slash the career evangelist. By using this link, not only do you support this podcast, but you also receive a 10% discount on your first month with BetterHelp. Take this opportunity to connect with a therapist and explore how it can benefit you. If you are going through a tough time, Consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the show notes or visit betterhelp.com slash the career evangelist. Thank you, BetterHelp, for your support of this podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Career Evangelist podcast. Today, I'm excited because we have another great guest with us. We have Helen. Helen and I, we are going to be talking about how to uh, design your career, you know, uh, so that you can get on stock. Ellen is a career uh, coach, and she's going to be helping us to dive into that topic uh, today. Uh, before uh, we go into it, uh, I'm going to bring in my guest, Helen. Hey, Helen, how are you? Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, really good. Glad to be here. No, it's exciting to have you join us. I know you are joining us uh, all the way from the UK. The majority of our uh, listeners are um, uh, from the US here, a uh, few from, from the UK. But uh, it's always exciting to have people outside the US come on the show uh, to talk to us. And uh, I know my listeners, they are going to find this uh, really beneficial. So why not just go ahead and introduce yourself to us so that uh, my listeners will know you, what you do, and what they can uh, learn from you today. Yeah, sure. So my name is Helen Hannison, and I'm a leadership coach and narrative therapist. And I specialize in helping usually seasoned professionals who feel stuck in a cycle of trying to solve the same career problem for themselves on their own again and again, and want some support to realign 
what they do with what matters to them most and the life they wish they were living. And that's where the idea of redesign your career comes from, actually. And it's interesting talking a little bit about geography because, yes, I'm based in the UK. The lion's share of my clients happen to be in the States. Um, There's some in Europe, some in the UK. So I think it's a global problem and not a luxury one. This idea that we can get stuck often years or even decades into a professional pathway that our past selves sort of decided was sensible for any number of reasons. And then at a certain point, we notice it's moved so far away from what we enjoy doing, what we feel like we're good at doing, maybe shaped by the needs of the business rather than wants of our own, that we we hit a career crossroads that isn't a luxury problem. It makes what you're doing feel untenable and bankrupt of all meaning. And that's that's the sweet spot that for me that that crossroads it's quite painful i shouldn't call it a sweet spot but but that's where i specialize in helping people and that's the stuckness that um i enjoy sort of co-actively helping them think through that kind of thought partnership about how do they get unstuck if that's what they're experiencing no that's good i know many people they feel stuck in their careers, uh, but some may not even know. So I want you to share with us maybe some common signs that may indicate someone might need a career redesign. Now, this is an interesting one because as much as I talk about career crossroads and that sounds like it's one thing. It's obviously not a very specific thing. And I do think the stuckness that people experience, careerists, bright, intelligent, dynamic people experience is so changeable. You know, there's a lot of commonality on how it feels for them, but the actual crossroads might be that, um, They're caught in a success trap, I call it, where actually what they're doing for work, they're perfectly strong at, they're getting remunerated well for, but they have that feeling that is really disconnected, dissonant from everything that matters to them. And they they just can't bear the thought of doing it every day until retirement. So that's one. Another very clear one is... um, being thrust onto a career crossroads, not of your own choosing. So you've been laid off, you've been made redundant. And that's that's a whole different feeling. There's a lot of career grief, I think, that someone has to process, actually, if too much of their identity is tied up with that thing they do. And we're all more than the work we do, but it takes a beat, I think, for that, that situation to sort of percolate, process, and allow a bit of light and space for someone to really think about well what's there's an opportunity here actually because what do I enjoy doing what am I best at doing how do I do more of that is it a sector change is it a career shift is it a complete transformation is it something entrepreneurial so that's another one I do find um the junction of career and motherhood is another one how do you juggle what used to be the most important thing um if there's now a little bundle of joy that is, is now the, been promoted to the most important thing, and, and what do you do if both things are the most important thing? You, you know, there's a lot of inner conflict to, again, help someone creatively redesign how life needs needs to be, needs to feel, if that's what's going on. 
So those describe the sorts of crossroads. There's others, divorce and illness and moving country and all sorts of things. But um, what are the signs, you asked me? And I think it's, in a word, dissonance. And people will know how that feels for them. It's something different for everyone. I'm hesitating because there isn't really one way, as much as there's huge commonality about that, there isn't one way I can describe it. What I will say is it's not always obvious at first. It doesn't come and smack you between the eyes. It's something that's more like a little nag, a whisper that grows louder over time and gets a bit more insistent, like a toddler sort of tugging on your sleeve, you know, at a certain point, but this can take a long time. You simply cannot ignore it. What you're doing is untenable, but there's been a precursor, a build up to that. But it's tuning into that discontentment, that dissatisfaction, that feeling depleted, feeling low, not looking forward to going to work, not getting pleasure from the things about what you do that you used to. That's the sign. That's loss of motivation in a way. And and I think uh, you mentioned something uh, that's really uh, touched my heart. You said people should uh, think about what they are best at. In my opinion, that is self-reflection. And I think self-reflection should play a crucial role in uh, redesigning one's career. I'm an engineer. I love everything about design. So uh, I want to ask you if there are some tips that can help people to go through this self-reflection process so that, that they can know that, hey, Am I in the right spot or do I need to make a shift to go to where mm. I need to be? Yes, absolutely. And I would say this is the first stage of the coaching that I do with with anyone who wants to um, redesign their career. And it's sort of the first chapter, as I call it, in my course as well. It's all about alignment, because how do you realign what you do with those things that matter most unless you have absolute crystal clear clarity about what that is so the self-reflection for me has a bit of um i'm gonna have some fun with the words a career compass is what we create career mm. one for me was public relations and i still just quite enjoy <laughs> that languaging um but it has three clear stages there are three components of a career compass and for me the first one is all about being strengths based just, I find most people are pretty fluent at this. Um, we've been made aware through our education, let alone our careers, what people value us for, what what we attract the best results by doing. And honestly, most of us enjoy what we're good at. So that that's the first bucket, the first circle. The next one, and I think it's really important to quite quickly move to this, is more around values. And that's a bit harder, actually, to do on their own um, because it operates under our awareness. And it also shifts over time in response to life events, career events. So that is harder to tune into and to stay in tune with. And I think if I had to point at how come a career becomes dissonant, it's this piece. We, we've lost touch somehow with what's most important to us, which is, you know, to be very crude, all that values means, what's most important to us. And we're somehow stuck doing something 
else, something that doesn't line up with it. That's massively important. And then for me, a career compass, we squeeze these two different circles together like a Venn diagram. And that section where they overlap in the middle, that's where the sweet spot of synergy really becomes obvious. You look for things that overlap. Where are you best at something that also aligns with what is most important to you somehow? And lastly, consider purpose, which is a bit more big sky and big picture and, and also quite hard to do. Just sort of if you if you ask somebody these questions, it's a bit of a conversation stopper sometimes because it's too big. But if you think about if you had to have a sort of tagline, mm -hmm. what would that be? If you, I mean, this is a bit dark and twisty, but if you consider the end of your career or if you're brave enough, the end of your life and say, what, what fits onto your headstone or, you know, what is someone standing up at your funeral and saying we this was their mission in life and they were highly valued for it what's that because i think then you've thought about quite a few different perspectives and you will start to spot the patterns you will start to spot well one piece is driving the other and it's the wrong way around it doesn't line up or you will start to spot for lots of commonality that becomes really like flashing neon signs about I, I actually need to be doing more of that. That needs to be dominating my time. Um, and that that aliveness that only comes when what we're doing is aligned, well aligned with what matters to us is is how to create your career compass so that you can go on to build a plan, design a plan and then you know, make that happen in your real world, which is the next stages of the work. No, that's good. I, 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 li I like the concept of creating your career compass. Uh, I believe this is uh, maybe part of what you help your clients to do, right? Mm. So absolutely. Wh what's, mm. Can you take us through the process? Let's say there's someone out there listening to us right now and they want to uh, get in contact with you, uh, they feel stuck in their career. What process would you take them through uh, to get them unstuck? So the first step is, is just get in touch. Actually, what we're offering everyone who's listening who is curious about what we're saying, but conscious they will need a bit of help to apply it to their own situation is a framework that I use with my own clients. So I say that's probably the first step to just to get to know some of the ideas a little bit more around redesigning your career. And when you request that, it'll just come to you over email. It's completely complimentary, obviously. Um, but you'll also know then it'll, it'll say how to get in touch for a clarity conversation, as I call them, which is just a conversation where we get to talk about the stuckness and what the recommendation would be, whether it's working one-to-one -one or um, the course or, you know, what what will help them. Um, and it's something different for everyone, which is why I, I do that. Once we're working together, how do I help them? I do find as much as one-to-one -one coaching in particular is obviously beautifully bespoke and that, that that's my real passion for it is because of that. It's in highly individualised. But what you do is, first of all, look at what is the stuckness? What's the career problem that this redesign needs to solve for? And we sort of borrow from my prior marketing 
experiences in that, that way. And we sort of start to, first of all, go through the alignment work we've just talked about by creating a career compass and then move into career redesign. So it's ideation, actually. So once you've got all that information, that good data about what you're best at, what matters to you most, what drives you in a bigger picture sense, then we sort of start to translate it away from that sort of introspective way of thinking and instead look outwards to the real world. What do we actually do in your real world when we co-create an, a fresh plan that someone is excited to act on? And what does that look like in terms of taking steps towards it? I do talk about aligned, confident transformation, but I do, I find people have a sort of misconception sometimes about what transformation might mean for them. I think people hear the word transformation and think that I'm going to sort of, not that I'm the one in power, but I'm going to say, well, throw everything out of the pram or all the toys go and start because it has to be dramatic and big. And I would actually say the exact opposite. I think transformation happens one small step at a time, and that's our fastest way to progress. So we start talking about pilot tests. What experiential pilot tests can you think of that answer some of your questions and your reservations about your career redesign ideas? And I say ideas plural because my marketing experience certainly told me if you get married to one idea too early in a brainstorm, you've got no fluidity with your creativity at all. So we come up with several, three usually. Um, and then sometimes they mix and match and they merge. It's all not fixed. And that's the point. It can be a bit messy because we're on a voyage of discovery and actually any incoming information from that sort of experiential progress is really important and valid. So we just think of things that feel like they have a low threshold to action to start doing now without disrupting anything else yet. Um, and that's that's the next stage. And I think the final stage, actually, um, and this is what I call in the course of the truth about transformation is, and that's not the end. <laughs> you then have to watch out for all these sort of, well, I suppose barriers and obstacles, and some of them are inner barriers. And that's where the self-talk, the the unhelpful narratives pop in and actually get louder the closer we get to making change because they've probably travelled with us from an earlier story, these sort of voices we hear about, well, you can't and that won't work and that's too risky and, you know, I've got responsibilities, I mustn't, it's too late, you know, all these sorts of things. We We do spend some time there, but also practical barriers and just think ahead actually about what are the obstacles that might come up and also how to navigate them ahead of time. So you've done the cognitive heavy lifting before you're at that point, that point in your, your progress so that when the time comes, you don't waste time. You just quickly say, Oh, that that's not working or this isn't feeling right. And you, you go the other direction. So there's something called hope mapping. Um, that is another psychology back, backed exercise that's that's my background so it's it's sort of that's where all of these ideas have have been borrowed from um far more established you know actual psychologists um i have the background but not not the ish ist um so that that's where you know every inspiration has fallen from so is do you have any specific industry or profession that you focused mostly on I really don't. Um, 
It's really interesting. I think when I started, maybe the creative industries, because that was my background. But honestly, clients are from a banking background, medics, um, especially since the pandemic, actually, <laughs> you know, that 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 healthcare sector has needed a great deal of support for obvious reasons. So I'm just trying to think tech, tech backgrounds, actually. Um, somebody is working with AI new product development um who's a recent client um somebody else moved from being owned by a sort of corporate in the space into being an entrepreneur in her chosen techie space fashion sustainability um I mean it really is as broad and deep because I think I don't the difference I think with being a career coach in the sense of helping somebody shape their resume and create opportunities in a job market is that maybe you do need connections and that sort of expertise and while some of that is the sort of thing that I will support somebody with if if you know that's useful and particularly people who want um to create a sort of ned portfolio a non-executive directorship um then the connections help and and I have those but actually it's more for me I think about the thought partnership which therefore doesn't matter doesn't matter. I'm not the one who is passing on the expertise in a very specific and localized way, um, but get the results for the person who, you know, is in action. No, that's good. Uh, I know you are a leadership coach. Uh, I want to just uh, hear from you. What are some, in your opinion, are some qualities that are essential in someone that wants to be a leader? Uh, based on your experience maybe yeah, one yeah interesting it's um it's a really interesting one isn't it because we get into my mind is sort of popping and fizzing with well, what kind of leader because actually there's different styles of leadership and none of them are wrong but they 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 do suit and fit specific environments so somebody with the kind of decisive leadership say needed in a medical setting is going to be a different sort of leader to um, somebody in a company who is wanting to be more, have a more coaching style, more motivational and sort of develop their people so they travel with them and are invested in the business remits as well as the business being invested back in themselves. So it sort of depends a little bit what we mean by leader. And I suppose my answer then is clarity. It always comes back, I think, to being true to yourself in a leadership position and having that real sort of it's quite an elusive balance between being driven to the objectives that as somebody in leadership you are you have responsibility and accountability for but also being compassionate with the people who populate the company that are or the team that are going to help you get there and that means emotional intelligence is critical it means that ethos of developing a whole person because we're all more than the work we do. So it's it's really having, I think, that um, approach and ethos. And I think it needs to have a very specific mix of an inner confidence, actually, because it sometimes takes quite a lot of courage to say in a sticky conversation, perhaps, um, you know, where someone's maybe reacting, you know, what are you reacting to actually how do we how do we unpack what is clearly really thorny here to get to the solution and collaborate on what that that is for ourselves so i think 
I think there's a few things in there, clarity, confidence, and compassion. No, that's good. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, can you also share a success story of someone who successfully, you know, redesigned their career after feeling stuck? Yes. Well, the one that's just popped into my head as you were saying that is probably one of my favourites. It's a little bit left field, and that's probably why I sort of it pops to the top for me. Um, there was someone I worked with who was probably the most seasoned professional I've ever worked with. I think she might have even been in her sixties, um, and it was she was so well not was in the past. She's a past client. She's still very much thriving, um, but she's very very vibrant and dynamic unless she had mentioned her age you wouldn't have known and she came she tipped into our coaching relationship because she had been laid off from a company that was in the food nutrition space that she'd been part of for i think since its inception it was sort of 25 years it was in it was incredible length of time now that was a family business and she wasn't part of the family and ultimately the next generation was coming in and there were changes being made and um, you know that's what happens isn't it it's a commercial decision sometimes but she hadn't right. bargained on it hadn't seen it coming and it was very shocking and not good timing quite closely following the death of her husband which wasn't related but felt like she was at sea and without possibly the support that she would have leaned into, obviously. Now, long story short, we did all the things we've already talked about. And there was something that was coming up really regularly in our sessions, talking about how to replace, and this is very common, people who get laid off or made redundant will usually say the brief for coaching is to help me replace what I've lost. And it's quite literal. They want the same, but somewhere else. Um, and so it takes a little bit of persuasion to just go through the career compass um, stage of alignment work before we can sort of say, well, hang on, is there something different, better, evolved to think about here? And this particular client was a brilliant version of that. She kept mentioning her dog. Now, it's a dog who was also no longer with us. Um, <laughs> and in the end, I sort of said, look, I can't let this go. We seem to spend, you know, this dog features. Am I missing something? What is there? But there feels like there's something we should pay attention to. Now, this particular client was quite resistant to the idea that this could be anything to do with how she would attract her income in the future. It was important and significant to her because the dog was obviously linked to her husband. And actually there was a story the dog had sort of come to tell her that her husband had passed when she had gone to answer the door. It was, it was incredibly important. But she was extremely resistant to the idea that dogs in any shape or form were anything connected to income or her future. Now, I won't go through all the stages because we'll spend, you know, over six months doing it. But what happened was we I agreed or I persuaded her, actually, that we had just spent 10, 15 minutes each session just exploring it. May, she may be right. So I took the defensiveness out. She may well be right. But let's just for fun explore for a few minutes each time what that maybe could look like. Now, Fast forward, she ended up fostering guide dogs who they go off to school, as it were, to do all their training for a number of years. Um, but they have to live with a host 
um, at weekends and in their downtime who really has to abide by all the very intricate rules of training to, to you know, lock that stuff in. So there was quite some training involved even in getting qualified to do that. And then she felt there was another qualification because she went into canine massage because those dogs, they wear those harness, harnesses and get sore. So that was another skill set. Then everyone in her building was sort of saying, well, your dog doesn't, you know, do this or, you know, so well behaved. So she started doing walks at the weekends, which she had to walk the dog anyway, um, with her local community and passed on the sort of training excellence that she was having to abide by so that they could do a bit of the same. And that led to, I think her dog wasn't, wasn't, got demoted from guide dogs for the blind because it was a bit too distractible and then it went into police work the the sniffer dogs for drugs so it sort of she got a whole other community and another set of rules and then added one last one in and i think it was called fear free training but it was helping dogs not to be scared of you know anything um and lots of dogs are jittery about you know a hoover or a loud noise let alone the kind of things that she was having to support for police work. So there was more and more and more behavioural layers going on. And ultimately, she makes her money by sort of setting up one day a week in her local community um, as vets. So she has an influx of clients who come to her for any number of the reasons we've talked about. And that's now how she earns her sort of on that's her encore career. Now, it really got tested because as she had got quite close to this idea, um, she did get offered a more straightforward replacement of what she used to do. It was still closer to home, but it did mean that she had to rethink the fostering. And so it got tested and she she went the entrepreneurial route and moved into her encore career. Oh. So that probably remains my most sort of dramatic example it's not a career shift is it that's a real encore yeah. career transformation but it it makes it an easy to understand arc um not everyone's as dramatic um but it just shows i think yeah. it's growth mindset if you believe you can make change happen or you believe you're stuck either way you're right so I guess the thought partnership helps people just reappraise some of the things they think they know. No, I like that. That's a story of hope and that's a good story of transformation. Uh, there's someone out there uh, that will listen to this uh, episode. They may be stuck, but they do not know how to start. They are afraid to take the leap and make a significant career change. What's your advice yeah. for them as we uh, end this show today? I think it's about taking the burden of change off their plate. Stop thinking about the change you need to make happen because that's where the overwhelm is. And instead, just take a small step. Now, that's either one small step that you're saying, well, I wish I had time for, I wish I could, or, you know, you know what it is. And if you just don't know, and actually that's the point, that's your stuckness, which is, you know, an awful lot of the people I start working with, then, then I would say reach out for some support. And of course, I'm an advocate of coaching, but you will know if there's some kind of mentorship or coaching or some other kind of support or training that you need that takes you closer to that thing you hope for 
um, then put that put that support in place because that's how we make change happen when we're stuck on our own trying to work out what it is and how to do it. No, this is good. Uh, finally, Helen, where can my listeners find you? So my website is helenhannison.com. So that's simple. I am on LinkedIn as well. Um, that's straightforward. And either way, just DM me or um, on the website, you'll see there's a contact request form. Um, and equally, remember, there is that framework that you can get to sort of spark some ideas, because, again, that will tip you into the email audience and you'll you'll sort of get some tips and actionable ideas for for this kind of thing, the stuckness, um, but also know how to ask for a clarity conversation, um, which is probably, a, well, I would say is the best first step um, for anyone looking for any coach. Great conversation, Helen. Thank you very much for joining us here today. I'm going to leave all your links in my show notes so that my audience, they can uh, connect with you and follow you and know, understand more about what you do. Thank you for joining us. Oh, you're ever so welcome. Been a lovely conversation to have. I enjoyed it. <laughs>